You're listening to Discography Discussion, episode 212, Testament, hosted by Dan Terry. Ah, I seem to have unplugged my headphones. Please, uh, please hold on. John Beatty. Taste the mint. Yeah. And Joseph Wren. Oh, what is the word people use to describe me? Insufferable. You know, Chris, <laughs> nobody really thinks you're this amazing director. They just think that you made a really awesome Batman movie. Does that bother you? I see. Does that bother you? Sir, you're in my way. Presented by DiscussMetal.com. And if you practice what you preach by playing some sweet riffs, then you are ready for this episode of Discography Discussion. I am Joe. That is Dan. That is John. How many years have we been trying to do an episode about Testament, Dan? Three and a half years. Are we actually going to pull it off this time? I don't know. Last time we tried to do it, I remember you stopping me and Jeff halfway through the conversation and being all like, you both need to stop drinking and I'm not releasing this. And by the way, it wasn't Dan and Jeff. It was just Dan. <laughs> no, that's fine. Spoiler alert. Might happen tonight. Hey, oh, there's enough albums for it to happen tonight. Who's ready for some menthol? Well, I'm drinking some, uh, you know, wild, wild cherry Pepsi. So oh, shit. Shout out to Lemmy. You know, we miss you. You know, the good stuff. <laughs> A Taco Bell wild cherry Pepsi that I only got because I asked for a Dr. Pepper and they're like, hey, idiot, we're Taco Bell. We don't have Dr. Pepper. We also don't have potatoes or anything good anymore. Yeah. Yeah, they're the anti. Actually, when I asked my wife what she wanted for dinner tonight, I was like, you want me to go to anti-potato bell? My wife doesn't eat meat, so she she's all about the potato stuff. I'll leave that one alone. Yeah, it's fine. <laughs> I'd be like, why did, Joe, why did you bleed me on this? <laughs> what? We are married and in sexless relationships. <laughs> cry. <laughs> so Testament doesn't make me cry. Well, sometimes they make me cry. No, Tra- they don't. Trail of Tears, man. Oh uh, yeah, it, that's rough. That's really rough. Um, I will tell you, Testament is one of those bands that we're gonna we're gonna find ourselves asking the same question over and over and over and over again throughout this discography. Why is Testament not the biggest ba- one of the biggest bands uh, in the world? Breach. Uh, they have a musically similar beginning to bands like Metallica and Megadeth. And uh, who else have we talked about? Death Angel. We'll talk about Exodus someday. Uh, you know, there's a lot of a lot of these bands came, you know, from, from the same scene. Yet only like, what, two of them really got the recognition that I think probably they deserved. Maybe three if you want to count Slayer. No. Uh, okay, well, John's not counting Slayer. Everybody write that down. Uh, Testament was doing all of the things that Metallica stopped doing in the 90s. And that Megadeth stopped doing well. Yeah. So, like, whenever people are like, oh, there's no good thrash metal anymore, and Testament's over here like, am I a joke to you? (laughs) I was so pleased when I first discovered Testament back in the mid-2000s. What? I hadn't been listening to this band extensively, and I quickly discovered that when I was becoming a new guitar player... That's right. Before I was actually able to pick up a guitar and play a song, I was looking at Metallica, listening to their albums, having no regrets, listening to Megadeth, trying to figure out how to play those riffs, how to make that sound. Everything about those albums I was trying to get under my hands. I wasn't paying attention to the fact that Metallica had this dramatic change in the mid-90s where load was not as heavy as the previous albums. They were just a different batch of songs. Testament is that thrash metal band that plays heavy metal, that doesn't stop playing heavy metal. Everything that you wish your favorite band never stopped doing, yes, even Slayer fans for that one record that 
just for some reason had to be new metal-ish, Testament never quits. So why the hell isn't Testament part of the big four? But we have to go see Anthrax, Slayer, Metallica, Megadeth. No mention of Testament. Haven't brought that up in a while, but they should fucking be there. They should be there just for the sake that they were a thrash band through and through. I mean, they dipped into death metal a little bit, but they only dipped into it. Like, it wasn't like... I mean, even even if you go and listen to Demonic or Low, it's not like those are death metal albums, but they're, they, that was just kind of a way of modernizing their sound. And we'll get into it. We Obviously, we, we will get into it. It's the thing that we do here. But uh, it's worth... It's just worth noting that, like, everybody out there wanted to experiment... They wanted to expand. They wanted to do different things. Yet Testament is no Slayer. They also expanded. They also did a whole bunch of different things. But they stayed metal, and they stayed they stayed true to what the vision of the band was. They stayed heavy. They did stay heavy. Yeah, they did. There's really nothing else for that, is there? <laughs> no. Well, before we go to the bottom of the Mariana Trench to record an episode of this podcast, I'm going to take this time to say thank you to everyone for listening to the podcast Thank you for listening and for subscribing. If you are not a subscriber, then you can find everything Discography Discussion at DiscussMetal.com. We are on Spotify, Apple and Google Podcasts, TuneIn Radio, Stitcher, iHeartRadio. So if you have an Amazon Echo or a Google Home, you have no excuse. Ask it to play the latest episode of the Discography Discussion podcast, and it will. We're also on Facebook and on Twitter at Discuss Metal. Be sure to like, favorite, and subscribe. It really helps us out. It lets us know you're listening. And now Dan is going to tell us all about five-star reviews. Hey there, all you cool cats and kittens. Dan here, your favorite podcast host, right? Right? Well, I'm going to tell you all about five-star reviews right now. We do love our five-star reviews on Discography Discussion, but I think the only podcast app that lets you leave reviews is Apple iTunes. So, you know, get on it. Oh, I'm sorry. This just in. It's no longer called iTunes. It's called Apple Podcasts. Well, that's super creative. I will tell you that leaving us a rating or a review does help, makes us feel better. And if you leave us one, we will read it on the show. So, Dan, it's time. Tell me about Testament. Oh, my gosh. Testament is a thrash metal band from California. These guys have been around since the 80s. They used to be called Legacy. They, they love the term Legacy. They named their first album The Legacy. Man. Testament is a band that if you only listen to mainstream metal, you've probably heard some Testament songs. Uh, they're not like the world's most underground band. They're not even unsuccessful, despite how like we might make it sound in this episode saying like, oh, you know, why isn't this band bigger? We just mean bigger. We don't mean that they're like completely unheard of. What I guess I'm trying to say is if you care about thrash metal, you've heard Testament and you probably think that they should be included in the big four. Although I have to say, why does there have to be a big four for just thrash metal? I, there, there, no, there's no big four of like R&B, is there? Or pop music or rock music? Well, at least I, in the in pop, you have the big, you have like you know the king of pop, which is Michael Jackson, and stuff like that. Was, that. So like they they had royalty names uh, back then. Uh, I guess you know thrash being what it is, it decided to go the Mount Rushmore of you know thrash four. It sounds like a decision Lars and James would make. <laughs> I do think a lot of this stuff is uh, is, is very uh, self-proclaimed in, in a lot of ways. I think I think Megadeth and Anthrax and uh, Slayer and uh, Testament. No, sorry, uh, Metallica, Anthrax, Slayer, Megadeth all just sat down one day over beers and were like, you know what? We should start calling ourselves the Big Four Thrash. Whereas Testament was busy during that time writing awesome riffs uh, <laughs> and solos. And becoming your favorite thrash band that you didn't even know was your favorite thrash band. 
Uh, Testament's been around for a very long time, since since roughly 1983. Uh, they have put out an insane amount of records. I didn't even count, but I think it's 13. It is. And um, even, even including a re-recording of some earlier material with the original lineup with modern production. Uh, which you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna have my piece about how unnecessary that was, uh, but you know, you guys can you guys can feel however you want to feel about it. Um, Chuck Billy, their lead singer, has a very James Hetfield esque uh, voice, at least on the earlier material. Uh, and then as time goes on, he goes into a much more um, original, more unique to him uh, sort of vocal sound. John, you look like you disagree. We'll get to it. Okay. Oh shit. <laughs> oh boy. I'm I'm brimming with anticipation. Well, I'd say we just start, man. You know, uh let's 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 jump into the legacy of Testament. 1987. Sounds like 1987 to me. <laughs> Actually, no. I I feel like you know, I you know, we've talked on other records about how, you know, bands that have been around this long will do re-records of some stuff and you know, I think we talked about it on the the death uh, discography discussion where I was like, did I find a re-record remaster? Because like this one sounds great for the era that it came out in. And while I do agree, it does sound like metal from the 80s. I feel like compared to some of the other records that came out, you know, their contemporaries that we've already talked about. Uh, this actually sounds a little bit better uh, production wise than that. Um, Dan's already touched on this and, and I'm going to. I'm already going to apologize now. I have always made no bones. Testament should have been in the big four. Uh, to me, take out Slayer personally. Um, they should have been in there because if you're you're talking about when you think of the big four, when you think of thrash, you know, it's it's got the gallopy, you know, it's hard. It's got great solos. It's kind of a little bit of it's not quite thrash necessarily as we think about it it's also kind of influencing what would become death metal and you know kind of other things the the interesting thing to me about uh this record especially is there's there's at times not much that's really separating this from some of the early or i should say the late 80s quote unquote like glam rock stuff you know like the motley Cruz, the the rats the things like that the sunset sunset strip bands which were not too far removed away from, you know, the Bay Area thrash scene. But this is still in that era that I love of 80s metal, where it's like everyone could fucking play. Nobody in any band that you've ever heard of from the 80s was a slouch. And straight out the gates on this record, they got it. Like, they sound great. They have great production. They have great riffs, great vocals. Like, total package, straight out the gate. Um, 10 to 10, would buy probably 40 times over because, you know... I'm having to buy a cassette. I'm having to buy a CD when those become a thing. Uh, I'm probably having to buy maybe an 8-track uh, at this point. I don't know. Um, and then, you know, maybe I have to buy the LP because, uh, you know, I have to have something for my home entertainment system when that's uh, still a thing people care about. Uh, you know, I'm ready to rock and roll and part of every night uh, with my Testament record. Well, in the 80s, you bought the vinyl for at home and the tape for the car. Yeah, you know. I think that was that, that was kind well, of the you, way you, things you were. Well, you dubbed you you had your pristine version the first time of playing the vinyl, and that's the one you dubbed. CD works just fine for me. <laughs> well, you know, you probably had your long boxes available at this point. Oh hell yes, those need oh, to come I back. I miss the long boxes where they had to like, and they had that huge plastic wrapper around them. They look like the old let, PlayStation games, <laughs> and they had to put it through a very specific machine whose only job was to take those off. Yeah. <laughs> um. 
Yeah, man, the legacy is... I agree with you that I think it does sound better than some of their contemporaries. And I'm not listening to a remaster here. Nope. Um, I think that this absolutely sounds beefy. I think the drums sound massive. For, for a debut record for a thrash band, the drums sound absolutely massive. And um, there's, there's a lot going on here. Uh, I do hear uh, what you're saying, John, about about it having a little bit to do with kind of more of the the 80s glam sort of sort of bands uh but at the same time this is this is still so far removed so much heavier and and more extreme than what those bands were doing but Maybe at the it's same just time Billy and all those dudes look so sexy back in the day i mean that could be man i've actually got a poster um, really yeah dude i've got a giant poster of old school testament and uh yeah they're, that they're behind some- you there's some good-looking guys. Well, because I got yeah. Godzilla behind me. Yeah, you can put Chuck Billy next to that. <laughs> I could tear down that Avengers poster and put my Chuck <laughs> Billy picture. Yeah, but uh, you know the thing is, is that like <laughs> they they are so good on this debut record. Like I listened to this and I listened to Kill 'Em All. If you gave me this and Kill 'Em All and said, "Hey, which one do you think is better?" I'm gonna go with this. Now, granted, that's not fair because Kill 'Em All was like what '83. Uh, so there was a little bit of like, you know, a time that went by, um, you know, I think I think Master of Puppets was out by the time <laughs> this one came out. So I wouldn't necessarily say it's better than Master of Puppets, but it's absolutely um, this really good middle ground between that kind of more extreme thrash, but still having like uh, a vocalist that that would alternate between barking and 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 clean singing. Uh, and I think Chuck had a really, really good voice for that. And what I like too is that this one doesn't just thrash a billion miles an hour. Uh, if you look at like you look at like Death Angel's first record, uh, that thing just a billion miles per hour, and, and I love that. Uh, but the songs weren't necessarily memorable to me. Whereas on the Legacy, they've they've crafted a very memorable heavy metal album that can be appreciated by people that are into mainstream metal as well as underground metal. I think they, I think this is one of the unique examples where they could they could please both crowds. It has the feeling of your fantasy type metal bands like a sabotage but it also has the riffs and the production of what metallica was using in the same decade granted this is the debut record it's less kill them all to me and more ride the lightning if i can summon josh for a moment it has the big drum room sound that those old metallica records had but the riffs the guitars, they're dirty enough. They have that cassette tape sound that I want when I'm listening to metal in the 80s. And there is no doubting the cosmetic similarities to James Hetfield's old voice at that time. If I was a full-on guitar-shredding metal fan in the 80s, Testament would have been on my playlist. And I would not have cared how close it sounded to other bands. It would have just been part of the fucking day listening to this band. So yeah, to, to quote John, 10 out of 10, you know, uh, would buy again, have bought again, have bought many times. And uh, every single time I'm, I'm completely blown away. 1988, the new order. <laughs> did you, did you like the last record? Did you like it a lot? John, Somehow I cannot even begin to tell you how much I loved the last record. The first time I heard it, it was like listening to classic Metallica, but it was new songs and it wasn't the same band. Yeah, it's great. Uh, for all the jump into the fires and shit like that, we got Trial by Fire. Uh, we got Into the Pit. Uh, we got The New Order. Uh, Your Inhabitants kicks off the record in a really great fucking way. Uh, the Preacher, fucking awesome. Disciples of the Watch. 
Uh, one of Joe's favorite words, a musical death, a dirge. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's got everything for all three of us, I think, on this record. If you like the last one, here they are a year later, probably a little uh, more touring under their belt to kind of tighten up a little bit more of what they do, give a little bit more uh, groove to kind of some of their, their you know, riffs and so forth. Still great. Does it have a guy having a biopsy analyzed to see if he needs psychosurgery? Psychosurgery? He does not. <laughs> uh, I will tell you this. Uh, I think that the New Order, I actually I actually enjoyed the New Order better uh, yeah. than the Legacy. It's hard for me to rank Testament albums because I like them all for different reasons. These two albums being kind of the, the one example of me liking them for pretty much the same reason. Um, obviously, this is a more tightened up, uh, a more tightened up Testament. Uh, they're not afraid to be a little bit more melodic. They haven't they haven't dropped the thrash by any many means, but they Fuck are no. They're they're a little bit they're a little bit more m- melodic. Everything's just tighter. The songwriting you can tell they spent more a little bit more time uh, on each one of the songs. And let's be honest, like most of these bands at the time, they probably had all of these songs from the New Order done before they recorded the Legacy. But the Legacy was their was their material uh, that they had kind of been amassing uh, as a, as an underground band before that. So I think I think that's part of the reason why these albums sound as similar to each other as they do. I think that the I think that the production on this record is far superior to that on the Legacy. Um, this band had a really good way of, of being beefy, even for '80s stuff. Whereas beefy tends to be mostly like, or most '80s stuff tends to be mostly high end, and it'd be about how biting the riffs are. Uh, Testament's one of the few bands that, like, even 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 as far back as 1988, has a little bit more beef uh, to their to their sound. Um, and it may not separate them from their peers yet, but it's going to. Hypnosis is awesome, by the way. And Disciples of the Watch, that's the good stuff. One of the hardest lessons that every guitar player needs to learn when they're playing metal is to turn up the fucking mids. Slayer gets the credit for always having the mids cranked so that you can actually hear what the fuck they're playing. While Metallica makes decisions cosmetically on each record, how it's going to sound, and then you just have to live with those decisions at the end of the day, Testament makes good production decisions. They don't change the way the record sounds because they want it to sound a certain way this time. And even though this record cosmetically sounds like the last record, isn't that what you want when you're getting a record less than a year later? That's a whole new batch of songs that give you the exact same vibe, the exact same feel, and up the ante on heaviness. I'm going to make one comment about your guitar playing thing. To me, (laughs) this style of music is all about your fucking right, well, whatever your picking hand is, but predominantly as as a right-handed guitar player, it's about your right hand. It's about your fucking picking hand. That sets up everything that's going to happen going forward. And these guys have a fucking hell of a picking hand. Dan, do you want to be heard and understood when giving your opinions on the internet? I mean, I thought I, I thought I already had that. Is it, is it not? Have none of the episodes posted? <laughs> well, then you, sir, must practice what you preach. 1989. I was wondering where you were going with that. Uh, practice what you preach is. I feel like it's it is an even more tightened up testament. Uh, and I again, the the production value on this is is top notch. This is one of my favorite sounding testament albums. Uh, and I like that it has a bit of a boost in heaviness over what we'd had before, because now we're living in a, in a post uh, Injustice for All uh, kind, kind of world. Uh, this one has bass on it, though, uh, so that helps. <laughs> that helps immensely. 
Uh, and I think that their songwriting really, really kind of comes into fruition on Practice What You Preach. Um, this record uh, tends to tends to just find a vibe and go with it. Uh, the songs are a little bit longer, but they're also a little bit more um, a little bit more fun. This is the first Testament album that I can listen to and get a little bit more of like a I could party to this uh, kind kind of vibe from it. I think that's the interesting thing about you know this record to me is. You know, we talk about the big four. We talk about some of their contemporaries. This feels like why I think a lot of people like myself like Anthrax. It's fun. It's not too serious. Uh, I'll definitely say Testament is more serious while having musically it sound more fun. Uh, you know, definitely getting <laughs> a bit of a, you know, anti-authoritarianism. Anti- Jesus. Anti-authoritarianism. Uh, go, lyrics and stuff like that and and that's you know something you know i want to talk about and we will talk about moving forward you know i know dan has made plenty of comments about how the fact that i'm one of the few people that's kind of come on as the third person talking about lyrics this is one of the bands where you know i'm not going to negate anything that megadeth or or anthrax or um you know mega metallica sorry well, let me try that again megatallica yeah megaforce <clears throat> I'm not going to negate anything that Metallica, Megadeth, Anthrax, Slayer even, uh, you know, that they're talking about. But for my money, you know, Anthrax is, like I said, they're fun. I'm the man, caught in a mosh, things like that. Not really serious. Metallica, you know, you got songs like Pulling Teeth, you know, all these kind of other songs. Yes, they're kind of more serious. But to me, I've always felt like Testament stood shoulders above everybody else when they're talking about real shit in the music. So this, while sounding a little bit better than not quite as much as the contemporaries, because we're, we're almost at the Black Album, and we're going to talk about that very soon, the, the effect of the Black Album on, on Testament. But um, to me, this is the next logical step for the band. Practice What You Preach, great song. They're So far, three records in, they're killing the intro song to start a record. Like, just couldn't be doing better. And honestly, like, these songs, while they are long, you know, some of these have five you know, four and a half minute long songs, they don't feel like they are that length. Like by the time you're getting to confusion, confusion that you're like, oh shit, the record's done. I feels like I just started it. So it's, it's one of those where like, and it's going to be hard not to compare them against the other bands of this era. But for me still, my money is on Testament. Like this is one of the ones where I'm like, I don't know why this band isn't in your top three at this point. If you're comparing the other bands that have come before in thrash, like they have everything you're looking for. I think they do it if equally as good, if not better. And the sound is is right there. So it's like, why are we not putting Testament right up there with everybody else, if not above? And it is such a breath of fresh air to get longer riff driven songs in 2020 thrash is supposed to be a little longer heavy metal whichever term you want to use to describe this band they go in both directions between the thrash and the heavy metal throughout their career it doesn't matter though the songs are supposed to be a little longer you can have riffs you can have hooks and you can let the guitars breathe and play a fucking solo and the song can be nine minutes long and no one complains about it play it on the radio and everyone will love it that's the majority of Metallica songs that people like are the long ones. The only other thing I had on this record was, and John already touched on it, is I, I did appreciate the lyrical shift from kind of your like, oh, witches and demons and occulty, just generic metal band crap uh, that the lyrics kind of had been on the previous two records. 
Whereas this one, they kind of like approach it as human beings as part of a society uh, that they have issues with, which I think is really kind of the heart of metal for me. Is 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 that that anti-authority? Yeah, like John said, kind of anti-authority uh, sort of sort of mindset. Uh, and you see a lot more of that out of Testament going forward. Uh, well, except for the next album, but you know, we'll we'll talk about that. Are we ready for it? 1990, Souls of Black. Honestly, like this record starts off really good, like beginning of the end with like its little—I don't want to quite call it a flamenco-y kind of style, you know, acoustic-driven kind of thing going forward, and then straight into Facing the Sky. Um. I, I think that's the thing about this band that I, I love is I feel like they're showcasing more influences and styles beyond what they do. Whereas a lot of uh, the other bands, like when you see a Metallica or a Megadeth kind of doing an acoustic kind of thing, you're kind of like, but would you really play this style or is this something that you're into or is it just kind of like a eh, maybe this is what this part calls for to kind of lead into the heavy. The thing I've always loved about Testament is I don't feel like anything they do is not something that they actually would be are into it always feels organic it always feels like them 100 percent and this record kind of is trending a little more toward if we can call it at this point mainstream because at this point obviously you know metallica and megadeth and anthrax are getting a lot more mainstream popularity thanks to mtv and you know headbangers ball and stuff like that and again you're still seeing testament right there with them and for me, there's a ton of great songs on this, you know, Malpractice, fucking love it. Souls of the Black. I mean, every title track they have, I think, you know, a lot of importance, I think, is put on title tracks because you're like, OK, this must be the impetus of why you named the record this. So, like, what are you trying to say? What Old is this song? school mentality. Yeah, and, and it's one of those where I feel like Testament knocks their self-titled songs out of the fucking park to where you're like, I get it. I understand why this is like why you named a record this or at least why you have a title track to me like this is we're, we're kind of entering, like I said, a little bit more into the, the quote unquote mainstream sound that this style of music was starting starting to achieve, but still is uncompromised. It's still testament. It still sounds like them. And I think it's taking what they've done before and adding to it and doing it as best as they can at this point. I think Souls of Black is a little bit of a letdown for me um, just because like they they were on such a progression uh, from the legacy to the new order uh, to practice what you preach. And on Souls of Black, these songs, while heavy, while sounding good, while still being totally testament, it's an enjoyable record, but it doesn't move anything forward. And in a couple of cases, it almost feels like it moves back. And I always wondered why that was, so I, I had to kind of read up on the record to, to kind of figure out if I'm just being crazy here or if it, there's something more to it. And what I found out essentially is that the band took a whole bunch of songs that they had, like in their demo days and some of their you know pre-album material, and they went into the studio and they just recorded that. They reworked some of the songs. They they you know updated the lyrics or whatever to make it fit more into what they're doing now. Um, and I think that it does a little bit to me reek of a little bit of leftover material. Now, don't get me wrong. I think that Testament's leftover material is better than all of Anthrax's material. <laughs> um, but there's not a push forward in style. There's not. I feel like the momentum is kind of lost. That we that we somewhat we somewhat plateau whenever we hit Souls of Black. 
And that's just the that's just the music critic in me talking. Uh, as a Testament fan, I'll still I'll still blare this one just as loud as any other record that they have. Um, because I do like it. I like the ideas. And I also like that it does have a bit of a diversification of style. But I don't think that that's due to exploration or in or uh, you know them being inventive. I think it has more to do with like these are older songs and they were still figuring out what they wanted to sound like as a band. So a lot of those different influences are a little bit more on their sleeves. Um, I don't think it ultimately affects the record. I don't think that every band is required to put out a home run absolutely every single time. But I mean, I can't think of the last time I've ever seen Testament and they've played any of these songs live. In hindsight, I agree with you. This one sounds like it came out before Practice What You Preach, but for some reason was just kept in the vault for an extra year. I mean, shit. The output (laughs) of these guys at this point. Four albums in four years. Yeah, and like not Damn. like uh, not like <laughs> oh we have like six songs we're putting out a six song record like no like you're putting out records that are you know fifty minutes or so and thought out parts and shit like that and yeah maybe some of these songs on this record were like B sides that weren't fleshed out from before but I still think they're as good or better than anything else that they're you know anyone else is putting out at this point in this style. I think that's fair enough. I mean I. Like I said, I don't hate it, but I do. Just admit it. No, I don't. If I hated it, I'd have at least a twenty-minute tirade. You got to be careful when we're talking about these thrash bands. My my uh, my tendency to go on a ten-minute rant is like ninety percent higher chance when we're talking (laughs) about an old-school thrash band. Well, you're saying you have a ritual, is what you're telling me. It is kind of a ritual, and it is my legacy. So okay, 1992, the ritual. Oh, you mean the Black Album? Ooh. You can call it what you want. I think for most people, this is the first seriously well-received Testament record. Uh, No. (laughs) I think that that is true for the majority of mainstream heavy metal listeners because until Metallica puts out the Black Album, mom and dad's not listening to heavy metal. They're not listening to thrash. But they are now... And here comes the ritual with slightly improved or more modern sounding production. Yeah. With riffs that are equal to or as good as some of their peers. This has a little more of a Judas Priest vibe, in my opinion. Judas Priest in 1992, I mean. And the drums are a little bit slower, almost like what Lars Ulrich was doing on everything that didn't come out of 1983. I think the thing for me that like kind of would almost say that you're not entirely accurate with that statement about people. This is more the one people will probably like more. Is at least on all the the media platforms that I've seen this on, there's hardly any songs people have starred on this record that they listen to. So I would say that uh, I would probably stand to say that that means that people even now don't really like this record in comparison to the rest where you look at half of the older records we've talked about and those are the songs that people are still listening to um so you're saying streaming services are their own form of revisionist history possibly but i would (laughs) i would say if you were a testament fan you probably got this and we're like what the fuck this isn't the testament i like i don't think so don't think what I don't think that the average Testament fan bought this and hated it. Really? I don't think so. Because I don't hate it either. Uh, I totally get it. (laughs) Every band that I like 
that like plays this type of style like if you look at like all the thrash bands that we've talked about uh metallica megadeth uh tourniquet even uh slayer like everybody puts out that album where these guys all came from the same scene as metallica so they all wanted to do what metallica did with the black album right um that's rough because you don't have on one hand, producing it <laughs> on one hand you've got um You've got the old school thrash fans, but you have to remember what was going on at that time. Grunge was taking over. Metal was out, man. By 1992, people didn't care about Motley Crue. They cared about Nirvana. So, and and we talked about this too with some of the bands. We we talked about this briefly on the Bride episode as well as, uh, as well as on the, uh, oh God, what's that band that I made fun of for incessantly forever? No, Diamond Head. (laughs) How, uh. These bands, you know, that had kind of come from the 80s, Diamond Head even probably before that, uh, whenever they realized that people wanted the metal bands to not so much be metal anymore, but to be hard rock bands. Like, that's how they were going to survive, by by blending in, by, by, by cutting the solos down a little bit. And so what you get are these kind of, like, bluesy, hard rock, almost Aerosmith type of vibes from some of these other bands. Aerosmith is a prime example of a band that made that transition. Uh, obviously, this I'm not trying to say this album sounds like Aerosmith, but what, what I am trying to say is that, like, they had to go in a more rock direction. However, it's still testament. And I think that's the biggest thing is a lot of bands lost their identities during this transition. Testament didn't really. They still They still deliver the goods in the sense that there is still some thrash in here. It's not as pronounced as maybe it once was, but what Metallica did is they were able to stay metal, but still kind of fall more into that hard rock aesthetic. And I think Testament's doing the exact same thing here. And at the time, it was easier for radio stations to play something like this. Whereas if you play something that sounds like it came off of Souls of Black, people are going to be like, oh, what old 80s band is this? I think the thing for me about this record is like, this feels like, an amalgamation of like all of the hair metal bands trying to still do what they were doing, but with like kind of the newer production. Cause you know, I'm trying to remember my uh, sound city documentary. This is starting to be where people started to go away from tape. And I think digital was slowly kind of creeping in a little bit. Um, but like I hear this and like I, I feel like the thing that like and again we're, we're gonna touch on Metallica, I feel like this is where you he- you can feel the Bob Rock vibe trying to come through where it's like you look at the Doctor Feel Goods, you look at the Black Albums, you look at a lot of things that Bob Rock was doing, and I'm even gonna use Mutt Lang as kind of a, a reference between what he did with Def Leppard, Brian Adams, and so forth, like. I think you look at those two dudes who learned how to take metal bands, and I'm going to call Def Leppard a metal band because they were at one point more or a hard rock band, I'll say. But you look at what they did and they figured out a way to kind of really add that pop sheen to what, you know, metal and hard rock became and was at that point. And you listen to this and I feel like you can kind of get a little bit of that like rattlesnake shake off of like uh, Dr. Feelgood. You can kind of get some of those vibes, some of what uh, Skid Row was even doing at this point. And for what it is, some songs are are okay, but by and large for me, like this is like I didn't get it when because this is, you know, my dad listened to a lot of the thrash stuff when I was growing up. So, like, I remember hearing this and just kind of being like, what the fuck is this? And not really enjoying it because it just doesn't sound like the band to me, like whereas everything else felt like the songs worked and they were well crafted. These just feel like 
the lowest common denominator type songwriting from this band to capture the sound that everyone's cashing in on at this point. You know, we're we're pretty we're in 92. So like I think uh, Cowboys from Hell had just come out at this point, roughly, or we're about a year removed from it yeah. uh, coming out. So, I mean, you're kind of seeing, like I said, you're seeing a lot of these big producers that we all know now, the Terry Dates, the the Mutlangs, the the um, the Bob Rocks and stuff, really putting a different spin on what metal and hard rock is. And I feel like that's kind of what this album feels like. And when you listen to the rest of the discography, this is kind of the outlier of the whole fucking thing. It just it's the only one that sounds like this. And I think that's why I don't like this record as much either is because when you're listening to it like we have, where you're listening to it from album to album in chronological order, this still feels weird all these years later. It absolutely does. And it has a cosmetic similarity to Judas Priest in some places. You're not what that far away Priest from... What record at this point? I believe Painkiller had just come out. That's what I thought. But okay. if you go back in time, you get your living after midnight, and this record starts with a song that is not that far away from that. <laughs> but then you go into So Many Lies. This yeah. sounds like the weird songs on Load and Reload. And we're not that far away from those two records. So I almost want to know if Metallica wasn't trying to be Alice in Chains as much as they were just trying to be Testament at that point. <laughs> no, I do think that test the thing that I don't like about this album the most is probably Chuck Billy's vocals. Yeah. Um, not even that they're bad. They're not bad. Like, the dude's not a bad singer. He's got a good voice. But I think that the comparisons to James Hetfield, a dude had to have gotten tired of hearing that. And I apologize, too, if, if, if Chuck ever hears this. Uh, that we're making that comparison. But on the early albums, it's kind of hard not to. Um, and I think that, like, Testament was having a bit of an identity crisis on that record. Uh, the Ritual is is fine, but, like, I just, I miss, like, more shouty, yelly Chuck, and I don't get that here. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, ultimately, I'm like, eh, I mean, it's all right if I'm if I'm wanting to listen to something a little bit lighter. Um, but I, I don't know. It's, it's It kind of sticks out in their discography, but I don't think that, I don't think at the time it, it. I don't think at the time people hated it. Um, maybe maybe hardcore metal fans did, but but the mainstream acceptance or whatever that that liked something like uh, like black, you know, probably probably would dig something like the Ritual. But uh, to me, it's just it's the least Testament sounding Testament album. Are we ready for Low? Please God, yes. Nineteen ninety four. You don't know uh, low like I do. <laughs> can we just so this is a, a metaphor for Chuck Billy's vocals, right? I mean, how low can he go? We'll go listen to Demonic. That's how low they go. Yeah, let's no, slow this... the tape down and just take them even lower. Uh, so you know, Pantera was a thing <laughs> by this time. Uh, just a little bit. I don't think you get a record like Low without a record like Cowboys from Hell. Uh, you just you at least not in, in mainstream metal like like this. Um, I don't think that I don't think the Testament sounds like Pantera here, but the influence of Pantera is now all over metal. Um, because in the '90s, you know, Pantera was one of the first bands that's like, "Oh yeah, metal. We play metal," and people weren't immediately like, "Oh, tons of hairspray, <laughs> spandex," you know, that sort of thing. It, it metal started kind of carving out its own identity uh, again in a, in a much heavier, more extreme format. And this is interesting too, because you know what is what is what is Metallica follow up Black with? They followed up with with Load, right? Uh, Megadeth is uh, they're not at risk yet, but they're they're heading towards it. 
uh, real fast. Um, everybody, everybody slowed down. You know, the badass metal bands all slowed down and went rock or country rock. And then Testament comes over here and goes, nah, we just decided to sit down and rethink what metal is uh, for this year. And uh, we came up with this album called Low. And um, whereas I think that I think that Low struggles a little bit in the band finding its footing in this more heavier sound. Um, you know, this is more about the down tune and the groove and, and all of that. But it sounds good. And and this is, you know, we, I was talking about the James Hetfield, Chuck Billy vocal similarities. That's all gone now. From from low to on, or from low, well, that was a Freudian slip. From low <laughs> on, Chuck Billy is now Chuck Billy. This is his distinct, this is the voice that you think of whenever you think of Testament. And he's only going to get more barking as we go on. Well, what I like too is that because because Testament has this kind of 80s background too, they've been writing songs for a long time. They've been a band a long time. So when they write a heavy, so like a brand new heavy band is just going to be heavy. Testament is able to still have vocal hooks and memorable vocal patterns and melodies that I feel like even Pantera hadn't even mastered yet in this year. Um, so these songs, these songs benefit from having strong songwriters already that know what a song needs to have in it to be good while still being able to adopt whatever sound is kind of uh, in vogue that year. And this record absolutely uh, captures that. Um, Dog-Faced Gods is probably my favorite song on Low. And Low was also, uh, for reference, was the first Testament album that I ever heard. Uh, so I have I have kind of a kind of a love for that one. Um, I don't think it's their best. At the time I did. At the time, it completely blew my mind. Um, and I thought that, like, oh my god, this band Testament. Let me go check out all their other stuff. And actually was initially disappointed that the other stuff was more of a 80s thrash, you know, sort of sort of sound and then i then i realized that that also was awesome <laughs> and kind of kind of went from there but like uh i think low is awesome uh, chuck's voice is, is is lower the guitar the tuning it's all lower it's all it's groovy it's 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 just a great record and it really really stands out in a sea of bands that were trying to uh trying to adopt the more alternative rock hard rock market uh, whereas they decided, you know what, we're going to go ahead and just put our flag in the dirt and we're going to continue to just be a metal band. So while I think The Ritual is the first album that everybody noticed by Testament, Low is the first album by the modern Testament. It's the sound that they are going to move forward with. Once they found it, they did not let it go. They tweaked it along the way. But this is your band, everyone. This is the fucking band that needs to be recognized for how heavy they are, how intense they are, how fucking good these riffs are. And Dan won't like it later on, but Chuck Billy, he reminds me of a very young-sounding Corey Taylor, mixed with a little bit of your Phil Anselmo and somebody that used to sound like James Hetfield cosmetically on their old albums. So for me, this this record kind of is encapsulating a lot of interest, a very interesting cross section of uh, hard rock and metal at this point. I, I definitely hear the Pantera vibes that Dan's kind of talking about. Although for me, I would actually almost say I hear a little bit more COC in this than I do Pantera necessarily. Uh, and then th maybe that's more of Chuck's vocal approach uh, that I'm kind of leaning more COC than Pantera. Um, but to me, like, this kind of takes what I think the ritual was trying to do and actually 
doing it the way I think the band wanted to do it. They just kind of needed that slight misstep to, to kind of figure out what they really were trying to do. Um, to me, like Trail of Tears, I like this song. I, I think maybe some people might look at it as the sellout song. But I would say for those that like Cemetery Gates or even and, and I might be a few years ahead of this song being out at this point uh, as a cover anyway, but like Planet Caravan, Planet Caravan um, it's kind of got that socially conscious song. We're kind of leaning into Chuck's, you know, heritage of and I don't remember what tribe he's a part of, but, you know, obviously he is a uh, Native American or has Native American descent uh, descendants uh, in his blood or whatever. Um I mean, Lowe's a fucking great song. I do like Dogface Gods. All I Could Bleed, I think, is really cool. I like the instrumental. I'm not even going to try to pronounce that fucking song. Uh, the instrumental song was pretty cool. And, you know, we're in 94, and we talked about the impact of grunge. But I love the fact that Testament still is like, no, we're a fucking metal band, and we're going to play solos, and we're going to do that, and we're not abandoning that. Um, you know, to me, they were kind of one of the few bands in this era that kind of really ushered in the 80s era of metal and we're kind of one of the ones that like we're still figuring out where we fit in the 90s in the mid 90s landscape where you have you know shit like hootie and the blowfish and stuff like that <laughs> permeating into your top 40 you know they only want to be with you john yep hold my hand man um like that song's one- called only want to be with you yeah all i heard was with you. <laughs> hey you know maybe that was the original mush mouth maybe um but it's just one of those things to me with with this record. This feels like what the ritual wanted to be and just couldn't for whatever reason. And I think for that reason, that's why I like this record more, because it feels like what this band was trying to do to progress into this new this new era of 90s uh, hard rock and metal. How do you think Atlantic Records felt about this whenever they're like, yep, we got it done. You guys want to hear it? <laughs> I think they wanted it to sound like grunge or Pantera or something that didn't sound like Testament. That's really what they wanted at that point. It's definitely it's definitely mixed. People are very kind of back and forth on low and kind of going forward. But I mean, low was incredible. It was mind blowing. And I'd kind of come on with low as a new fan. So whenever I heard demonic afterwards, 1997. Oh God. Okay. So demonic, I thought that I, a record like low is like as heavy as a lot of these thrash bands ever get. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like you can't really go much further, but like, he, you know, he asked Chuck asked straight up, how low can you go? Uh, it's this low. Demonic is a lot of people like to call it death metal. I don't necessarily think it's death metal. Um, it's not, you know, this is not obituary or you know, uh, carcass or anything, anything like that level of extremity. But this record is a down-tuned groove fest, unlike anything we've heard from the band up to this point. And when those, when those, um, you know, for lack of a better term, ultra guttural demonic vocals kick in <laughs> i'm sitting there like is, is that chuck that's not chuck that's not chuck there's no way that's chuck it's chuck a hundred percent this is a guy that used to sing songs like alone in the dark now it's 1997 and he's like Urgh. like uh i i was completely blown away by this record uh but when people want to talk about like oh this is more um this is more death metal or whatever I hear a little bit more of like Sepultura influenced, like heavy, um, heavy percussion, loud, you know, um, uh, they're not really tribal drums, but I don't know, like, like just that, 
that driving groove force. I guess groove metal is what I'm looking for, but it doesn't have like the cheesiness of groove metal with it. It's it's darker. It's more serious. You can say Pantera. I know you don't want to, but this is when the band cosmetically sounds the most like Pantera in every aspect except for Chuck's vocals. Honestly, I and maybe I'm the only one that gets this, but especially on a song like uh, Demonic Refusal, I get some industrial vibes from the guitar tones and so forth. Like, I feel like this is them kind of hearing the industrial and I guess I could say the beginnings of new metal kind of infiltrating their sound a little bit. And it does kind of make me wonder, like, I didn't bother to look up any of the tours that they were doing at this point. But it's like it wouldn't surprise me if some of the earlier bands, the early adopters of that sound were to be the first to four on a testament tour. So, like, you know, it, it does kind of th- that's the interesting thing about this band where, you know, and that's that's the interesting thing about fucking Testament at this point and, and kind of throughout their whole discography and their legacy is at this point, Metallica has put out what load and reload at this point. Yes. Yeah. Megadeth has put out. God, I don't even know what fucking record they're on at this point. Probably risk. Um, we don't talk about that on this podcast, John. And then Anthrax, <laughs> this is the era of Anthrax that's got John Bush, so we're going a lot more, like, not fun, like the Joey Belladonna era of Anthrax. This is more the serious era of uh, Anthrax and so forth. So it's like, you kind of got an interesting, you know, the bands that they've been coming up with and compared to are all kind of going in weird, different directions. But I feel like Testament's the only one that's going down this direction. Um, good, bad, or indifferent. Um, there are some interesting songs on here. And honestly, Joe, you were making a comment like, oh, maybe this is like where Corey Taylor, you know, sounds like Corey Taylor. I'm going to throw a name out from this record forward that I hear and it kind of makes me go, huh, I guess this is what this person would sound like on a, on a heavier band. I definitely get some Scott Stapp territory, that that mid range kind of throaty, raspy vocal. That's a Scott Stapp style vocal. Um, and it definitely makes me go. Damn, Scott Stapp could probably kill it with a heavier band. Not saying that Creed, the, the band Creed or what would become Alter Bridge can't get fucking heavy because we we all saw that they can and do. But this would have me go, if Scott Stapp were to find a real full-on fucking thrash metal band, that might be pretty fucking kick-ass, actually. I would definitely listen to that one time because Scott Stapp <laughs> is one of those lead vocalists that I look on as a mashed potato mouth kind of style. Fair enough. It's not his fault. It's just that's how he's been made fun of over the years. <laughs> All right. So how do you guys pronounce track four? Is it Jun Jun or June June? I believe it's the it's the precursor to Gent, which was Gent Gent Gent. So this is Jun Jun Jun. This is the gentiest song ever by Testament. Yeah, it should uh, have a D in front of the J's. It's one of my favorite. <laughs> it is one of my favorite Testament songs. Agreed. Um, it's just absolutely a banger. Like when that thing comes on shuffle, I'm like, stop what I'm doing. Punch some people in the face. Let's go nuts. Um, kind of has a little bit of a roots, bloody roots vibe to me. It's got, uh, makes me feel the same way as that song does. Um, can we just, can, how much do you think it costs them to get Craig Jones from Slipknot as the, uh, album artwork? <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. Oh boy. There it is. The answer to your question, John, I'm seeing a lot of stuck mojo. I'm seeing a lot of Strapping Young Lad. I don't necessarily know if I would have gone with Strapping Young Lad personally, but I guess they were they were probably kind of hitting it big-ish right around now at this point. Yeah, I don't think Devin Townsend was full on into his solo work. Well, everything's a solo project for him. <laughs> <laughs> Let's be real. <laughs> 
so with demonic it, it it redefines the band again this band's gone through what three redefinitions so far um demonic is good i don't think it's the strongest testament i do love the record but there are times where it's a little slow it does kind of start to drag towards the end for me um just because it's it's not thrash enough and that they're kind of missing out on that 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 ultra fast speedy in your face thrashedness that they should have wait did you say they're not thrash enough i did oh well we should talk about the next record then absolutely i think we need to i think we need to you know resuscitate the next record 1999 the gathering dan you said you wanted thrash dnr baby can i get some (laughs) heavy metal with my thrash please dude this record sounds amazing and for 1999 when a lot of bands like this were either doing trying to capture the the dying grunge sound or we're kind of going new metal or whatever style of metal they were trying to do because at this point now the umbrella has expanded and you got death metal and all that kind of stuff where some bands were going these guys just like doubled down on oh you like thrash metal but with like kind of down tune kind of shit and some modern production is that, is that what you like okay we got that in droves here we are do not resuscitate jesus christ down for life like every fucking song on this record is great riding the snake like this is basically like if you like testament from the beginning you're if you fell off for whatever reason over the last couple records because you're like this isn't my testament one of ten would not buy again you're back on full on at this point oh yeah yeah i mean it's almost like they're like hey guys you remember when we used to play like really fast (laughs) yeah why don't we do that again, but like keep doing this heavy stuff that like we did on Demonic? Let's let's make this happen. And they make it happen. And now Chuck is a absolute monster. He sounds like a monster on this record. Yeah. Um, and he's using every single vocal style that he's adopted over the years. Uh it's 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 mostly the grunt, the the heavy stuff that we heard on Demonic, but he starts to kind of kind of flex that thrash vocal again. Where he starts sounding a little bit more like he did on low, and um, it works. It works. It works so well. Um, this record is absolutely like my testament. You know, hashtag my testament. Um, <laughs> it is. It is. It is the. It is the modern realization of what a band like Testament should sound like. I and love the blatant disregard for what was popular. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. This is basically like. And this is the thing about Testament that's always like shocked me. So like at this point, it's what we are in 1999. People are bitching about load reload. They're bitching about Megadeth selling out. They're probably bitching about some of the Slayer shit coming out. Anthrax is more or less really wane because people either only love the Joey Belladonna or they only love the John Bush era. There's no middle ground for either of this. This is kind of primo. I don't understand why people don't love this fucking band because this is what you wanted. If you wanted Metallica to go back to their old sound and they're fucking not, Testament did. They do it great. And it sounds good. Like, so why the fuck aren't you listening to this? And if you, like, it just, this is kind of exactly why I've always said, like, Testament belongs in the big four. They belong in the conversation. They need to be fucking bigger. And there are, there's, you're starting to even see in Chuck's vocal delivery and in some of the songs writing the influence of what's going to influence a band like Lamb of God. You can hear it now, a few years before we're going to get Lamb of God. And it's one of those where it's like, I don't listen to whatever any of the other bands that aren't Testament that we've talked about. I don't hear them in any contemporary metal that is getting ready to come out and is moving forward and is now basically bigger than Testament is. 
So I, it just baffles me when I listen to a record like this where I'm like, why didn't this band fucking blow up? I guess because they didn't have the giant song, the crossover song. But for all the people who bitched that, you know, Metallica sold out, why don't they go back to like, you know, Injustice or any of that kind of shit? Here you fucking go, dude. Like, why aren't you propping this band up and putting your money behind them? Because like, just, people aren't looking for something else in the style that they like. They're looking for a band to fulfill their creative needs. And I feel like they even do that. Like, there's nothing about... Te- and that's the thing that drives me nuts about Testament. Are you a musician who wants your band to be progressing and, and, and pushing the envelope of what they do? Testament does that. Do you want them to sound good? Testament does that. Do you want a vocalist who can do all kinds of different shit in the umbrella of metal? Testament fucking does that. There is nothing that you can look at in any other band that Testament doesn't provide for you. And they did it first. They were around before all the bands that you like now or have come since. So I don't understand why Testament doesn't have a bigger name or credibility than they they should have. And this is a great example of why, like, and I know I'm all fired up because, like, I, I fucking love this band. And I have always said that this band deserves more credibility and more credit for what they have done where so many have fallen off, their contemporaries have fallen off. You, this will, I'm going to preemptively kind of spoil a final thought, but like where your Slayers fell off, where your Megadeths fell off, where your Metallicas fell off, where your fucking Anthraxes fell off, where Death Angel fell off, where everybody fucking fell off. So far, we are one record where we're just kind of like, it was eh, eh. All the other bands we've mentioned have one or two of those at this point. And they're going to put out more of those. So it just is baffling that somehow Testament didn't like fucking blue tortoise shell everyone and fucking move forward <laughs> and, and, you know, just bypass everyone. So I just don't get it. That's because the blue tortoise shell is bullshit, John. You no, know, it. You're bullshit, I know Joe. it. And that's something I would love to ask Chuck, because the answer I know is well, Dan could have if he everybody changes <laughs> because that's what the management tells them to do. I want to know what conversation Testament was having where in 1999 you're losing what's left over of grunge. Everybody's a fan of Pantera or they're going to new metal. And then Testament says we're just going to be as heavy as fucking possible and as old school as fucking possible. If this was pitched up a couple keys, it would sound like the heaviest Judas Priest, but it's the heaviest thrash heavy metal it's testament in 1999 there's no bullshit here i don't think that the conversation about what the band was supposed to be for this record had really changed that much since the legacy no the times had changed certainly you know the 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 musical landscape was different so yeah they're not a band that's just forming now uh you know in 1999 is not going to sound like a band that started in 1987 but if we wanted to ever see what that looked like with people coming in with the same ideas, the same motivations, the same influences. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, Joe says it all the time. This is just what Testament sounds like in 1999. It might seem like a dumb statement on its own, but it's absolutely the truth that if this was the first Testament album in, in 1999, this is exactly what it would sound like. I, in, in some alternate reality, I feel like they would still put out this record in 1999, regardless of what the previous records were. Um yep. And I guess they also were feeling a little nostalgic for their old material because in 2001, they decide that they're going to, you know, guys, remember how awesome our old material was? We're going to record an album made up of stuff from our first two albums. And hey, 
we're even going to call the old singer back to do a couple of songs. First Strike, Still Deadly, 2001. Fuck yeah, it is. Like, this is one of the few examples of a band going back and basically updating a song or classic songs. I'm all for it. Like, usually you're like, oh, but it's missing like a little bit of that nostalgia or whatever. To me, everything on this, I was like, yeah, I like these better. Like, they, it still has the same... Somehow they were able to recapture the same vibe of the original recordings, but just with modern production and better sound. And like Dan said, like with the, you know, with Zetro back on vocals for a couple of these songs. And you're just like, holy shit, this still works. It still sounds great. And I think I actually like these better because it sounds like modern Testament at this point. So, I mean, they did the thing that a lot of bands try to do and don't succeed in. Um, so this was a home run even for me on this one, even though it's basically a, a quote unquote greatest hits. This was the first I had heard these songs. 2003 was kind of when I discovered Testament. Okay. And First Strike Still Deadly was the version of these songs I heard first because this is the first album that I purchased. In hindsight, I can give or take re-records. It, it's not something that I want to exist all the time. It's not something that I frown on necessarily. I think it just depends on when you discover the band, if that's the version of those songs that you hear first, and if you enjoy the most, that's great. Other bands have done it not as clean. If it sounds like shit, it sounds like shit. This does not sound like shit. This sounds like Testament playing their songs again. I do think that they succeed in recapturing the feeling behind the old songs without compromising their their modern heaviness. And I think that a record like this proves that music is timeless. Our Good recording call. technology is different. Uh, our expectations uh, for how records are supposed to sound changes. Uh, and this record is just a huge metal finger to all that. Like to the idea of that, you know, thrash metal, you know, in the 80s isn't viable uh, in the 2000s or in the 90s even. Um, whereas they're like, no, seriously, I don't think you guys realize how good some of these old songs actually are. Because right now, if you're going to see Testament live and they're playing these songs, you're hearing this. So you're hearing these songs, the ones on the ones on the re-record. You're not hearing them the way they sounded back in the 80s. Uh, and I think that's really, really important, too, because I would say probably the Testament got a lot of fans, you know, from demonic onward. And a lot of people, maybe they're going to see the band live and the band's playing all these songs that they don't know from the back catalog. And I think that's part of the reason why a record like this exists. You know, it didn't used to, we didn't used to live in the Spotify world where we could just, you know, oh, you like Testament? We'll check out all their stuff. I remember how hard it was for me to go back and collect all the Testament albums. It took a long time, you know, of having to find the records in the wild or having to order them from, from a website or have, have to order them from a catalog even. And, and have them sent to your house, or maybe you might get lucky and find a copy in a music store or something like that. So a record like this, even in 2000 and uh, even in 2001, is still very, um, it's, it's their way of updating and being like, no, it's these songs, those ones that you saw live that you didn't know because you haven't been listening to the band since 1987. Uh, here's the best of all that. And I like, guarantee this was cheaper to produce than it would have been to repress and release the original records. This one came out on Spitfire. The Legacy was originally released by Atlantic and Megaforce. Same record label that held on to Metallica's masters for a while there. So they were not having the same conversation in 2001 that we would be having today 
So there you go. Yeah, I mean, I, I can see why this record was universally panned, though, uh, because everybody just hates re-records. But this is absolutely like top tier, some of the better re-records I've ever heard. Uh, even being detailed enough to make sure to get the original band members on on the re on the re-recorded songs um, to just give it that sense of legitimacy. But I also think that you know this is also you know metal elitism has existed since metal has existed. And I think that there are a lot of purists out there that are like, no, I like the legacy because of the way the legacy sounds. I like the new order because of the way they sound. And those records have to specifically uh, sound like that in order for me to enjoy them. And I can kind of understand that mindset uh, in a certain in a certain sense. Um, but I also don't think that you're hurting me by putting this out. <laughs> you know, uh, I, I don't think that I'm I'm upset. And as a collector of all things Testament, hey, here's another disc I get to put on the shelf. And it's it's I. I I, for one, love hearing alternative alternative versions of songs, different takes, different ideas. And I, I, I hate to say it, this is one of the first time a band's ever done that thing that, you know, you were talking to Dennis and refused about. They actually do make me feel like a kid again listening to these. Because back whenever my expectation was for metal to sound like it sounded in the 80s, you know, I felt a certain way about it. My expectations changed. And here's Testament with those songs being all like, well, let's listen to it for, through that lens now, you know? Uh, and so I think overall, it's it's a good addition to their discography. And I think this marks the very first time we have ever, uh, I think this is the first time we've ever given this much time to a re-record <laughs> or greatest hits album. Well, that depends on how long your rant was for the In Flames episode. Well, that was a little different. <laughs> 2008, the formation of Damnation. Uh, yes, please. I love the Modern Testament. I'm going to say it just that simply. Testament is the band I point at whenever someone says, you can't release a thrash album or you can't really do a heavy metal album in the 2010s, the 2015s, the 2020s. Before Firepower, we got the formation of Damnation. Fuck you. <laughs> so something about this record that I really liked and something that I, I think sort of has been missing a little bit on the last couple uh, it's something Dan actually brought up uh, a couple records ago uh, is the vocal hooks. I mean, you look at a song like More Than Meets the Eye, those big like, whoa, like, man, like I can see that, like, I know they're probably not playing stadiums or big theaters either, but like, fuck, like that's tailor made for those kind of environments where you're going to sit there and you're going to hear these riffs and you're going to kind of like, you know, you can probably see Chuck going like, whoa. Like, you know, like get the people clapping and shit when you're doing He's it. He's got too. his little mini mic stand out there. Sure. He's so cute. And like that fucking song has like wings, motherfucker. That song like just goes to another level with that part. Evil is landed. Like the thing about this is like this is a band that just unapologetically is what it is now. Like they're a fucking thrash band. They have great production. Chuck's got a vocal range that's unlike just about anybody in this this scene. He has all the range. He has all the range. He can go low, he can go high. And, you know, at this point, I think we're pretty much back to the lineup. Maybe Sans the drummers at this point. But, like, you know, Alex is back in the band. Like, this is basically the band's band. And I think the era of the band that we think of when we think of this band now. And, man, they are just so fucking good. They got slamming riffs, great solos, great vocal hooks, great musical hooks for... For a fucking band that's been around this long at this point, we're we're what twenty years into a career, thirty years into a career. Like, yeah. god damn, name me another band that's putting out shit this good this far into their career that I'd say is better than the old shit. Go ahead, I'll I'm, wait. 
<laughs> Dan would say Napalm Zayo. Death. Yeah, okay. But Napalm Death's the only one I can think of. Don't um, forget Zayo. And the, the biggest difference, though, is that like <laughs> Napalm Death started off kind of rough and then got better and then got real rough again and then got better. They've stayed better since then, but a uh, testament to, again, it's rock solid. I mean, you look at it. Like, this band's put out so many records. Then you get a song like The Persecuted Won't Forget. <laughs> and that song, like, that's just, I'm in, like, pure O-Face, you know, through the entire song, you know? Well, honorable mention for me, the Henchman, or Henchman Ride. Man, yeah. what a fucking killer track. Killing season, anybody? Mm. I mean, just, you know, whenever people always talk about, like, man, banger this, banger that, everybody's favorite word now for song is a banger. And Slaps. they're not because every single song on this record is a banger. Like throughout, like like they they're just like one of the few bands that was like, what's the thing that people like for us to do the most? Let's do that ten times in a row. Play riffs. And on top of that, like what a great comeback record. You know, seven years removed from basically a quote unquote greatest hits re-record. And if we're honestly going to say from the last record, almost ten years from the last full original album. God damn, like. Yeah. Again, compared to their contemporaries. John Beatty is speechless. <laughs> this is just another prime example for me where when people go, well, I mean, you know, Metallica did this or Megadeth did this or Anthrax did this or fucking Death Angel or any of these other bands that they always get compared to. Metallica released like Saint Anger, damn it. <laughs> sure. But like, I just keep coming back to like, yeah, but Testament did the formation of the formation of Damnation. Testament did the gathering. Like Testament did release Saint Anger, John. Yeah, but like I just keep <laughs> wanting to go like where you can say you hate load reload. You can say you're not a fan of certain eras of Slayer, certain eras of Megadeth, certain eras of any band that came out. But honestly, what band is still just getting this good as the years are progressing and not sounding like they're trying to capture the sound of the era they're in? They only did it the one record, and we already talked about it, and that was. 14 years ago at this point. And that was also the beginning of them actually shifting over into the Testament that we love so much now that we're talking. Exactly. Like if, they, if they didn't have that, if they didn't take that step, we wouldn't be here. No. And these guys just, they've got the roots, man. They, they absolutely have the roots to prove it. They've got the years to prove it. They've got dark roots. 2012. Dark roots of Earth. More like dark roots of thrash. True American hate. Hate. The Dude, hook what a on fucking that, banger. That song is that song is like such an earworm for me. Um, and the way Chuck just delivers it, like shout, 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 right? And then just pulls out an amazing chorus. <laughs> an amazing hook. And this is just what this band does to you now. They 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 are they are so good at their craft at this point that you're starting to realize that like, oh, this band Testament that we just ignored and listened to other bands that were not even close to as good. Like now you're playing catch up. You, you, if this is the first Testament album that you hear, you're going to go out and buy all of their other stuff because you're going to be like, who is this band that's better than every other thrash band that's out there? Well, I think the other thing too, that's, you know, been interesting about, I mean, I talked about it earlier, but like, I think it's a lot more prevalent on this record. This almost feels like a record that would have came out after nine, like, like literally after nine 11. Um, because when you look at the lyrics, you know, it, it seems very much about talking about our, our global politics, our, you know, our troops being and meddling in wars that maybe Chuck and, and whomever else is writing the lyrics don't necessarily agree with. I mean, look at a song like Rise Up, especially. I mean, it's just it's kind of interesting. Like, you can't negate, you know, and I only know this now because of Dan kind of talking to Chuck about the lyrics on, on the newest record and Chuck kind of being like, oh, yeah, you know, like uh, somebody else, you know, wrote a lot of the lyrics. And I was like, oh, 
I didn't realize Chuck didn't write all the lyrics. Well, he had a songwriter assist him with composing the song. So it's not not exactly that they're written by somebody else, but just... Well, I, but I mean, like, someone else in the... But, you know, might have been, like, Alex maybe contributed to some of the lyrics. Like, you know, there's other people in the band that I think also do lyrics. And I just kind of never really realized that because this is... Still at a time where I think I thought like, well, the singer fucking sings and he writes his own lyrics and, you know, that's just the way it yeah. is. And then you you find out as you get older and, you know, documentaries and DVDs and so forth come out and you're like, oh, actually, it's, you know, like in some instances, like, oh, the guitar player writes all the music and all the lyrics and then basically hands them to, you know, the lyricist. And then they kind of work together on making it what they want it to be. I'm with you, John. Nobody expects the Neil Peart situation, right? Right. Sick drummer writes all the lyrics. I mean, Lamb of God, like, I remember when I saw, I found out that Mark writes a lot of the lyrics, I was like, oh, I, I didn't know that. Like, I was flabbergasted when I found that out. But, you know, that's the thing that's interesting about the time and day that we live in now, where we have more access to the songwriting uh, and being able to see songwriting with these DVDs and so forth, to where you're learning now more about how the band works. Um, and, you know, and that's kind of the interesting thing about, you know, this the era we live in now with this. Um, I love the fact that A Day in Death sounds like it totally would have been something like in the early 90s, kind of has that like 90s bass tone, like uh, something that like maybe even like a Dave Ellison would have probably played back in the day. Just like really kind of almost maybe a weird reference, but I almost kind of got a little bit of like a suicidal tendencies kind of style too from it, where I was just like, all right, kind of like a little bit more of that Bay Area punk thrash kind of scene coming through. And then they just, you know, go full on, beat me over the head with some riffs. And that's what you wanted, again, right? <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. This is a this is a very more politicized record, I think, as a whole. Um, and I had to look back at when this came out because for some reason I thought this came out when First Strike Still Deadly came out, and I was like, oh, that makes sense. You know, this is still kind of the 9/11 era, but you know, like I said, we're shit at this point, uh, 11 years removed from that. So it was kind of weird to see such a, a political record all these years later but then just kind of realizing like well i guess shit like this is still in the the throes of uh i guess probably the tail end of bush in the beginning of obama yeah so yeah this is uh this is definitely an interesting an interesting record just in the sense that like they're still putting again it's just it's such a huge middle finger to what's popular you know you've got metalcore deathcore insert other types of core that have more or less taken over everyone's perception of what metal is and what heavy music is. And even even some of the other big, you know, quote unquote, titans of the industry are, um, you know, like they're, they're just kind of middling in what they're doing and not really paying attention to heavy music at large. And I can't help but think of that meme, you know, where it's got like, uh, what, I think it's Thor. And it, it's, it's got this huge bad guy. And you've got like heavy music in general, like metalcore, deathcore, you know, death metal, black metal, all that stuff is standing there. And uh, it says, you can't defeat me. And then, like, Metallica's looking at them and going, no, we can't. And then he points behind him, but he can. And then you've got Testament. <laughs> you know, like, it's it's just, I mean, I guess I should make that meme now. Uh, but it is, it is still, like, they're still fighting the good fight. Is their music absolute fan service of fans of old school thrash and, and, and stuff? Yeah, absolutely. But the fact that this again shows that thrash metal as a style is not outdated it just wasn't recorded that well whenever it came out originally um and that these guys are standing toe to toe with some of the heaviest bands out there and they're delivering it with such quality that that you don't have like there's there's no compromise you know a lot of the bands that we talk about on this show 
will talk about how like, yeah, they did this, but this it was kind of gimmicky. Or this band only does this one thing that sets them apart. Or this band's a total ripoff of another band. Testament's been around for such a long time at this point that like nobody sounds like them. They are they are their own unique entity unto heavy music itself. I can hear bands that were influenced by Testament, but I don't hear them pulling from really any other source but within. And I think that's really interesting that the records are this good still and they're, they're, they're still this quality. And it ain't going to stop anytime soon. Are you ready for it, Dan? Oh, I was born ready. I didn't know how ready I was in 2016, but it's finally here. Brotherhood of the Snake. I want to go first with this one. Holy shit, um, refs! This, compared to the last two records, this feels like a little bit of a, a misstep, a little bit of a letdown for me personally. Um, I'm going to point to a song like Blackjack. You shut your and, damn mouth, baby. <laughs> and just kind of go like, really? This is this is what we're doing? We're, we're, these are our lyrics, you know? Uh, if heads you, It's heads you win, tails you lose. It's heads you win in the city of sin. Stakes are high and so am I. Like, okay. Um, I, I guess that's what we're doing. I don't know. This record was a little bit... I think it's mainly the vocals and or lyrics I, I just wasn't a biggest fan of and why I'm kind of like a little bit like, eh, on this one compared to the last two. Um, I think musically, it's it, right up there with everything else. I think it sounds great. Um, but I think, like I said, it's it's songs like Blackjack and a few others that I'm not, I'm not able to necessarily put my finger on, but there's just something about this record every time I heard it. And I gave it three three listens this last couple of weeks, uh, and I just kept kind of going like, this felt like a misstep to me. Um, but it's it's fine, because the next one's going to go ahead and take care of that for me. <laughs> Joe, you want to say something, buddy? Uh, you're, you're looking a little, I, I, uh, looking a little frantic over there. I think I want to just TikTok, uh, TikTok. turn you loose on this one and say, uh, three, two, one, go. Uh, Brotherhood of the Snake is a riff machine. It is a, it is a walking... It, 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 it is absolutely like a riff-producing monster on legs. Um, this was so heavy to me when I heard it heavy for thrash. And I like that Chuck has more or less... This is going to sound crazy. But I like that Chuck has kind of abandoned the, the death metal uh, scream more on this one. And he sounds a little bit more like his classic self. Um, and this is exactly the type of thrash metal that I needed in my life in 2016. Um, I wouldn't, don't want to say I'd kind of given up on music that year, but I definitely, that was like a year before we started the show, or I think we started the show at the end of that year. Uh, but I remember like with my Brotherhood of the Snake t-shirt, my most worn t-shirt between 2016 and 2019, uh, until it died an untimely death. Um, but I think that like this record, yeah, you might think that something like Neptune Spear is dumb, uh, and it is kind of dumb in a, in a thrash metal <laughs> sort of, sort of way. I don't think that this record takes itself quite as seriously as Dark Roots of the Earth, but I also think that this is where the time sink really, really helps. See, Testament hasn't been in a let's release a record every two years, uh, sort of pattern anymore. So we, I, and I think four years is the sweet spot for me to have properly uh, analyzed and absorbed the old album. And so whenever I hear Brotherhood of the Snake, it's more of what I like. To John's point, though, I do think that Brotherhood of the Snake, this is the point of the band where they've been doing the same thing consistently for such a long time that maybe it's not as uh, relevant in presenting new ideas. 
as maybe what we'd had before. Whereas I feel like every Testament record up before this was kind of always pushing forward uh, into a certain direction. This is one where I almost feel like they played it a little bit more safe, a little bit closer to the chest. I think if you like their re if you like Testament as a band, you're not going to have a problem with it. No, uh, I think you're gonna you're gonna love it, especially because you've waited four years for this record to come out. Uh, so I think in that sense, it is a huge success. And I love the you know again everybody hates Neptune Spear, but I love the I love I love I love the solo at the end of that song in the middle of that song. And um, I don't know, there's just something there's just something really quality about this that I can't. Um, I can't put my finger on. Um, and I would have said that I thought it was the best modern Testament album. Um, but then obviously they, they, they did better somehow. I agree with Dan. This one's a fucking riff machine. It's 2016. I can't think of another album that sounds like this. Firepower was on the way. Still listening to that fucking record. But before that came Brotherhood of the Snake with its classic sounding riffs, modern production, but the record wasn't being treated like modern fucking metal was in 2016. There are no fucking bass drops here. There is no choir of the lead singer singing 27 different versions of the same song. There's no millennial whoop, damn it. <laughs> it's just a fucking metal record. How is that a bad thing? Misstep for this band? Compared to what? I get the impression Dan really wants to talk about Titans of Creation. I mean, I already did. I talked to Chuck Billy about Titans of Creation. 2020. Nuclear Blast sent me a, Nuclear Blast sent me a free copy of the record on CD, and uh, they didn't pay shipping on it. I had to go to the I had to go to the post office and pay for my own shipping for You're my welcome. free CD. Yeah. So th thank you. Um, yeah. So this record was uh, was one of those. You know, now it's four years later, and I'm you know part of like I don't know 400 podcasts, <laughs> and. Uh, so, you know, uh, I remember John sending me a message and being like, hey, they sent us the New Testament record. You know, it was probably like two or three months before it came out. And uh, maybe it was a month, but I don't remember because I listened to the record like a ton of times. I think I'd listened to it like 30 times by the time I actually ended up because they sent us the record so that we'd have something to talk with Chuck about uh, for the interview. And um, this record absolutely um, blew me away because John was like, hey, you really need to listen to this Testament record. It's <laughs> really good. Uh, well, I, I don't think like, at that point you knew how much I love Testament either, though. What's that? I said I don't think at that point you knew how much of a big Testament fan I actually am. No, I didn't. So and and so to hear that type of recommendation from you was like, oh yeah, I need to get on that. Don't threaten me with a good time. I'm going to uh, listen to this Testament record right now. And they just blew it out of the water, man. Um, Children of the Next Level being one of the best, um, one of the best. Like this is the crossover single. I almost feel like the what that the band needed. Um, because I, the video for this is incredible. I don't know if you if you guys have both seen mm -hmm. the video, but um, it's done by the same guy that used to do. Um, or no, it's not this. I don't know if it's the same guy, but it's made to look like some of those like SNL weird ass cartoons. The uh, breaks. It's very nineties, yeah. And um, and I love that. It's all about the Heaven's Gate cult and like it's just metal bands talking about cults, serial killers, witches, false prophets, the Code of Hammurabi, like. It's so old school in its presentation and yet so polished and so modern in its delivery. Yeah, for me, this like really encapsulates, you know, especially for a record four decades later. This like I can't think of another band this far into the career. Like I can't show you the latest Megadeth kind of is the last one where you can kind of look at dystopia and kind of go. This is sort of what Megadeth is like encapsulates all of Megadeth. But 
I can't really think of the newest record in any of the bands that these guys came up with where you're like, oh, this is really a great example of what this band has always done. I mean, a song like City of Angels, I think, kind of showcases back to sort of their, their mid-tempo-y kind of almost, I'll call it a power ballad of sorts, uh, you know, like Trail of Tears and stuff like that that they were doing, um, but still sounds like them. Dan said Children of the Next Level, you know, I think continues, like I said, the band just always knowing how to start a fucking record on the right foot. They always... They always give a great one-two punch. Gene starts uh, on the left, John. What was that? Gene starts on the left. Okay. Um, <laughs> regardless. Um, but it's one of those things, like, to me, where I feel like this band has always done a great one-two punch for records to really kick them off. Um, they always do that. They seem to pay a lot of great attention to track listing. Uh, you know, songs that just flow into one another, either with the solo or the way it ends, and then the next one kind of comes in or whatever. Um as Dan kind of said, when I got this, like I listened to it right away because I was like, oh, fuck, like we should talk to Chuck for real instead of talking to him about his weed stuff, um, which is why <laughs> I made fun of this is why I made fun of uh, uh, God. I don't remember the name of that fucking song on the last record, the fucking Blackjack or whatever the hell that song was called. Yeah. yeah. Um, but it's one of those things to me, like where it's like you listen to this and I was like, OK, Dan wasn't really on board to, to talk to Chuck Billy about weed. And I wasn't necessarily either, but I figured if we did well enough with it, it might be get us another chance to talk to Chuck about, you know, testament. Actual testament stuff, yeah. Right. So to me, it was like one of those where I was like, as much as I would have loved to have talked to Chuck and talked a shitload about this record and, and just the legacy of, of testament, I was more like, you know what? I'm going to give this one to Dan because, like, he had to suffer through the last one and didn't really get to talk about <laughs> testament at all. And I think the only question I had asked him was just, and I don't remember exactly how I phrased it because Dan didn't quite ask it the way I would have, which is, I mean, that's why we're different. Um, but it was just kind of the legacy of the band at this point. Like, you know, you're all these decades later and you're still putting out f phenomenal material where so many of your contemporaries have fallen by the wayside and you're decades removed from the last good, full on good record they put out. And this once again showcases why even on that Slayer Farewell Tour, where you're like, Testament's the first of five or six, roughly. And yeah. you're like, why? Why are they? Like, I like Anthrax, but honestly, if we're kind of kind of trying to set the vibe, it really should have been like Anthrax, Testament, Lamb of God, then Slayer. So when I went and saw that Slayer Farewell Tour, Testament came out. They played right after Napalm Death, which was, you know, awesome. I mean, I'll take a Napalm Death and Testament show any day. Uh, but the uh, I remember I remember the vibe. So Testament came out and they rocked it like they were they were. I think some of the people that were there were like not really that that crowd wasn't that enthused with Napalm Death. So everybody kind of just watched it and was like, oh, that was over really quickly. Um, it's kind of like some of my first dates. Uh, but I do think that like when Testament came out, they came out, they rocked it. I mean, they just absolutely slayed it and everybody was up out of their seats. They were they were headbanging. Um, the, uh, the lawn, uh, behind us, uh, here at our, our big amphitheater here in St. Louis, the lawn behind everybody that had the lawn seats, they were, they, they created a gigantic circle pit in the back. And it was one of those like, you know, great moments. Chuck's like, yeah, I see you guys out there on the lawn. I want to know that I see you guys, you know, uh, and it was, it was just this great, wonderful experience. And then Anthrax came on, and everybody was just standing there again. And then a whole bunch of people, the people from the lawn, kept yelling, bring Testament back out. <laughs> like, let's get those guys out for a whole nother set. Because Anthrax just did not rock the crowd that night. Maybe they were having a bad night. 
maybe they were having a bad case of being anthrax. I'm not sure what the deal was. Uh, but yeah, every, it, it was pretty clear that everybody would have been much happier just seeing Testament, you know, and then you had Lamb of God after, uh, you, you had to bring out, you had to bring out Lamb of God, which is a nice, comfortable, heavy hitter that everybody's going to be like, okay, all right, all right, we, we can now get properly pumped up. But can you imagine, uh, seeing Testament, you know, it just removing, if you remove Anthrax from that equation, it would have been probably the perfect show. It's not a slam on Anthrax, but yeah, that's absolutely what it is. Um, Testament should have been much higher on that bill, and I, I would have even, I would have even put Testament right before Slayer. But you know, album sales are a thing, and Lamb of God, you know, <laughs> of course, uh, they were going to be the band that opened up for the for the big headliner. Um, but yeah, this this record absolutely, and I yeah, because I had asked Chuck, basically, kind of tried to ask the same question that you asked, John. Um, but I remember saying that, like, now that Slayer is hanging up, you know, hanging it up, do you guys feel at any point that, like, you're kind of one of those bands that, you know, has to kind of keep that torch burning, you know, in that regard? And I like what Chuck said, and then he's like, well, you know, uh, and I'm paraphrasing heavily. I mean, oh, I was there, but I don't remember exactly what he said. Oh, don't worry. You can go to, like, the PRP or, you know. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. It was sites. all over the place. And where he basically just said, nah, we're, we're fine with just doing what we do. And, and I we're think so that's fucking the, glad they do what they do. <laughs> I think that, but I think that's the reason why they have this longevity. Because he he's like he's like we're just comfortable being us, being the songwriters that we are, you know. And so it's not about it's not about necessarily the fans. I mean, the fans are there, but it's just more about like we're just comfortable writing songs as us as a unit. And of course, that's a very politically correct answer. But I think that that's why they have such quality because guys that enjoy what they're doing and guys that, you know, uh, are comfortable writing with each other are going to put out quality content because they don't have the expectations on them that a super popular band like Slayer or Metallica or Megadeth would have. I mean, and nobody expects Anthrax to do anything. Somebody does. I'm sorry. If you're a huge Anthrax fan, I'm, I'm sorry. But I just I have no expectation for Anthrax. This fucking record. And you're done. <laughs> right? Just, just, well just, said. Le just literally leave it at that. Just well literally said. leave it at that. Just say that. Just I can't honestly, leave it at that, John. It no, you should. You honestly, that should just be your end all right there. Just this fucking record and you're done. And then final thoughts. You hear him slam the mic down on the way out. <laughs> final thoughts on Testament. John fucking Beatty. So I think what's funny is, is I don't, think a lot of people would know how much I really love this band and maybe this will finally get people to understand that I don't fucking hate the style of music I actually this is what I grew up on um if you haven't gotten the vibe from me that I think Testament is one of the best bands of this style and this genre rewind it start it over any final thought I could possibly say other than they deserve all of your attention and if you think that Metallica is the best band because they put out two good records 35 years ago or Megadeth, you know, put out a couple of good records and largely hasn't done anything. And maybe you're not a fan of Anthrax because you only like one era of the band over both, which Dan, if we ever do an Anthrax one, we'll talk about why both eras are really good, actually. Um, Testament is head and shoulders above everybody. Why they don't get the credibility they deserve, I have no fucking idea. But like I said, start this fucker over and uh, you'll figure out why real fucking fast. That's my final thought. I'm going to take this time to talk about Gene Hoagland, the extreme metal powerhouse that doesn't fail, except sometimes when 
you go and see the band play live and Gene clearly can't hear what everybody's playing. But damn it, if they don't follow him. Can we talk about how great of drummers this band has had over the years? We can, Nick, John. Nick, Nick fucking Barker. Wow. What a fucking machine. And then Gene Hoagland showed up, damn it. <laughs> Paul Bostaff. Amazing drummer. Like, oh, you this, mean that other guy that was in Slayer? Oh, yeah. Just the other guy. Like, who was awesome. And, you know, for those who don't know who Nicholas Barker is, uh, go listen to Cradle of Filth. Go listen to Demubor Gear. Go listen to... Basically, that dude is, like, the death metal, black metal drummer of, like, some of your favorite records that you've ever heard. Uh, and he also happened to be in this band. So, um, again, proving that this band is just full of limitless talent. Jesus Christ. Um John, I just that's my pen. kind of what I'm trying to say about Gene. No. He's played on some of your favorite albums. And no, damn it if he hasn't been transparent in this band. I've never it, heard yeah. a Testament show or a Testament record get hyped because Gene Hoagland is on this. I've heard that about Fear Factory, but I have not heard that about Testament. I know he's there. He's been there since Demonic and Dark Roots of the Earth and Forward, I believe. Not sure if he was on Formation of Damnation. I'll have to go back and double check. But he gives this band everything they need in the drumming department to continue to be heavy fucking metal and play this fucking fast, riff-driven thrash that Testament plays every single fucking record. You can slip a little bit, but you can't fail when you're listening to this band. You're going to enjoy it. And everything that you've heard all of us say about our favorite heavy metal records over the past few years, we can say it about Testament right now. Go fucking listen to it. It's 2021. If you haven't listened to Testament, just pick one and go. Brotherhood of the Snake. Shut your mouth, John Beatty. Dan, final thoughts on Testament. Do you like thrash metal? Yes, please. Yes. Do you like death metal? Yay! Sometimes. Do you like alternative rock influenced grunge music that sounds kind of like Metallica's Black Album? Yes! Sometimes. Okay, well, we'll just, we'll only do that once, okay? Yay! Is that cool? Uh, Testament is one of the best thrash metal bands out there. Uh, and honestly, I'm just gonna give it to them. They're my favorite thrash metal band. I think they beat everyone else out, in my opinion. Like, I think that, I think that these guys are heavily underrated. I think they've been successful. I think that they should absolutely be bigger and get more recognition than they do. But according to Chuck himself, maybe if they did, maybe they wouldn't be as quality. Maybe there's something about them being the underdogs that makes them so great. Damn, what's your album of the week? My album of the week is uh, definitely not Souls of Black by Testament. I'm going new school, Titans of Creation. Uh, I, you know, I had just gotten over listening to that record through most of 2020. And then I kind of gave it up for a while. And then when we, we did this, I've been kind of latched back onto it. John, what about you? Artist in the Ambulance by Thrice. That's a damn good record. Talk about riffs. Talk about unexpected riffs back in the day. Yeah. Didn't see that one coming. Especially with the, the album before it. <laughs> <laughs> well, for me, it's not a record. It's a documentary. John mentioned it on a previous episode, and for some reason, it's on YouTube. Go and search for that. Maybe I'll even put a link in the show notes. But a band called Death, before there was punk. Good good documentary. Is it fucking true? Were they fucking doing this shit before punk was a thing? They were the shape of punk to come from the Motor City. Take us out, DFT. 
If you like listening to our podcast and you want to be more involved in what bands we pick, you can absolutely do that. There are so many different ways you can reach out to us, it's not even funny. Don't laugh, because it's not funny. You can reach out to us on Facebook at facebook.com slash discography discussion. You can find us on Instagram at Discuss Metal, on Twitter at Discuss Metal. You can even send us an email at show at gmail.com. You can follow us on YouTube. If you look up Discuss Metal Dan, I will be there. There will probably be a link in the show notes you can just click to. Make sure to subscribe to get updates, to see interviews early, see episodes live streamed, and it'd be a catch-all for everything that we do, be it discography discussion, brutally speaking, you name it. It will absolutely be there. If you want to get some sweet discography discussion merch, you can go to our Teespring store. There'll be a link in the show notes that'll take you right to that store. We've got some comfy socks, some comfy t-shirts, some comfy coffee mugs. Bet you didn't know you could wear a coffee mug, but you absolutely can with some duct tape. If you want to join us on our Discord server where we are chatting with fans of the show 24 hours a day, seven days a week, as long as we are awake, there will be a link in our show notes that'll invite you right to our Discord server. Guys, if you've not been checking out Patreon, Patreon is where it is at right now. If you come on at the True Discuss Metalhead tier, which I believe is about $10, it's not about, it actually is $10 exactly, uh, we are doing hangouts. We just had our first Patreon-only hangout just recently, just last week as of when we're recording this. It was a lot of fun. Uh, that is just a, a, a one-on-one, or I think in this case it was like a what a, a three-on-three. It was definitely uh, chatting, a cage match. Chatting with our uh, with our true disgust metal head. So if you want to talk to us directly face to face, that is the way to do it. If not, totally understand. We are always available to talk to you on our Discord server. And with that, I hope you guys enjoyed this episode, and there will be many to come. And on that note, this has been episode 212 of Discography Discussion. Thank you for listening. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Discuss Metal. Subscribe to our podcast everywhere you listen to podcasts, including Google Play, Apple Podcasts, and Stitcher. Visit DiscussMetal.com for all things discography discussion. And please send questions and comments to Show at gmail.com. If you are not a patron, you can become one at patreon.com forward slash Discuss Metal. We have some sweet perks. Give me your dark roots of cash. One dollar a month gets you into that exclusive album review feed. 